0: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation.
1: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. My name is Tim Little. I'm here with Andy Stearns and Charlie Carter. And, you know, we often banter around about some nonsense that I don't really care about, um, and so this time I'm going to do something a little different instead of asking how you're doing, Charlie, when you're like discipling a guy, what do you do? What do you often ask him?
0: What do I ask them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't you
1: have like a specific question that you ask them? I have when 12
0: you... questions. <laughs> I will say I am, uh, there's a handful of guys that I'm meeting with over the summer here and, uh, it is a lot of fun working on this book. And like literally, so, so I start meeting number one. I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I have 12 questions for you. Yeah. Okay. Question number one, what is God's will?
1: What is God's will?
0: And I say, you can say, give me as full of an answer as you can. Use any Bible verses you can. And it's interesting. One of the guys starts thinking like, well, you know, there's like what God wants to happen. And then there's like god's sovereign will you know so we start getting into a theological kind of discussion
1: so after you've met with a guy several times okay and they kind of know oh, there's so not... several questions or whatever okay then you know you get getting together what what do you ask them
0: well uh <laughs> those those questions <laughs> we 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 repeat ourselves from time to time but so so what is god's will internal transformation so mm-hmm. there's a big building block. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. in Colossians. Like God, God's mm-hmm. will first and foremost is is in you. Right, right. So it's who you are. It's it's, it's a, think about what sanctification is.
1: Right, but they know that already.
0: Yeah. So then, how does God facilitate trials? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of trials, like people, circumstances, temptation? Right. Just kind of lay that groundwork of those first five questions. Right. So then the conversation becomes. So where was God working in your life this week?
1: Boom! That's what I was after.
0: Yeah, I know that was. What you're
1: <laughs> so where is God working in your life this week?
0: For us? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? So essentially, so when I hear that question, yeah, I think back to Pastor Saucer. Yeah. And early on in my ministry days with him, he said this like. As a pastor, this is him, as a pastor, uh, there's no greater joy that I have than being able to ask someone, where is God at work in your life?
1: And you can and see And they it. can
0: legitimately answer the question.
1: Yes. Mm.
0: So it's not like, where's God at mm. work in your life? Oh, well, you know, had a pretty nice day the other day at work, and right. oh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to do this this weekend. Correct. But it's, it's not like a fluffy answer, but like to really know, like, uh-huh. oh, Over here is a pressure God put in my life, and my initial reaction was to blame that person, but then, oh, wait, I'm the problem. Right. And to look inward where God Uh is really changing you. And then the key, as I say this all the time in meetings, is the key to getting from just a a recognition of that Uh to actual transformation. Yes. It's humility. It's repentance. Right. You have to acknowledge, oh,
1: God wasn't, God brought that situation in my life not to teach me something. And I need to humble myself and learn that lesson. Yeah. Yes. Good.
0: So, I mean, for me, uh, the summer, you know, you still have to go to work. You still have things you got to get done. Mm, You still have a boss. Yep. And that's, you know, who likes being told what to do ever. You know, well, maybe really sanctified people. <laughs>
1: told what to do. Um, Sometimes I like being told what to do because then I don't have to think.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I just need to do what I'm told. Sure. Right?
0: Yeah. That is the one right. way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but so the the pressure of getting everything done. Yeah. You know, wet, do, there's still deadlines and it's... Yeah. The the summer, you're supposed to have time off, right? Well, yeah. there's no time off. When do we get time off, right?
1: So we don't get time off.
0: Yeah, it's such a funny thing.
1: I was talking to Andy earlier about, oh, man, there's this and there's that and there's this and there's that. Mm-hmm. I've got so many things. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, what is God teaching me through all of these things? Mm-hmm. Is he teaching me, hey, do I need to realize I'm not God and say no to some things? Mm-hmm. That might be what Andy recommended to me.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just saying you, you're,
1: you guys, you, you're servants, but you
2: know, you're finite too. So, and I, you I'm finite and we're all finite.
0: So like, it's really hard for me, really hard. In fact, uh, I don't think this summer is the first time. I think last summer was the first time ever when I got an invitation to speak at a camp.
1: You said that no. I looked
0: at the calendar and said, no, I can't do this.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. And that's really hard for me. It's really hard for me because it's something you love to do
1: uh-huh.
0: and you want to be a, a servant. You want to go do the thing that you're supposed to do, but then there is a time where you have to, no, not going to happen. But, um, so I, I was having a conversation at a wedding a few days ago. There's a lot of weddings this summer. Like, whew.
1: Well, when this drops, they're all pretty much over
2: essentially the, the ceremonies are over everybody okay <laughs> Not, that's all he meant just the ceremonies The marriages are, over. are
0: still alive and well but it's maybe like a couple of weeks ago i was at a wedding and i was talking with the couple and uh there, there's a trial in their life mm-hmm. and the comment got thrown out you know well each day is sufficient for its own trouble hmm. and god gives grace for today hmm. and you know i don't know and then the comment was made like well i don't know about tomorrow and I kind of thought about that for a moment and my I was like, I wasn't trying to be like sarcastic, but my comment was, well, aren't we not supposed to worry about tomorrow? And they were like, oh yeah, yeah. That's like straight out of Matthew six, isn't it? Yeah. I shouldn't worry about tomorrow. But so, you know, each day is sufficient. We're busy. Like one way God is working is like, why don't you trust me today? Yeah. Why don't you trust me? Like humble yourself and be filled with the spirit today. Mm-hmm. And not worry about these other things. Just worry about today. So.
1: so as I had an opportunity to open up the episode, I figured I'd throw that at you guys. Wasn't that really nice of me?
0: What? We don't even need a Devo now. It's just I know. It's yeah. just
1: like right there. But you know, a lot so of times just, we act like we've got it all sorted out here on the podcast. But
0: We do not.
1: We don't. Exactly. I would
2: say that God is, through circumstances, revealing an idol in hmm. my life. And I don't, it's, have you ever had something where God reveals a certain idol or issue? And it's, it's sort of, sometimes it's related to the trials you're going through. And other times Mm -hmm. you're just going through a random trial and God exposes your heart. And have you ever thought, oh, I learned that lesson already. I already knew about that one. Mm. And then something else happens and you realize the roots of that idol go way deeper. And then, okay, I figured that. And then, oh, and to me in this particular one, it's just this repetitive thing Yeah. Then I didn't, I, it's not that I didn't think it was an issue, but man, it was deeper. And so anyways, but, but the, the, the good thing that I think I'm seeing is that I'm not trying to block that out or shove it mm-hmm. aside. I think in my past, like the idol comes up, criticism comes up, you know, whatever correction from the Lord comes up and you're trying to shove it off to the side. Um, so that's been interesting. And I would just say it's, 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 you know, you guys know it's hard, but it's right. it's good. It's ultimately good.
1: It's a training of the affections, like what we talked about with Scotty Annual a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's a weird, a
2: weird encouragement because, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's like what you were just saying. It, you're saying other people, but like when you see yourself do it, you don't want to get prideful about it. But, oh, okay, this is God working. Dr. Newman used to say the two evidences of your salvation for assurance, your your, your, your primary one is your, your profession of faith. But he says, the one that everyone looks at is, do you bear fruit? But what often people miss is, are, is there a discipline plan going on in your life between you and the Lord where he's shaping you and discipling you and disciplining you? Hmm. And I think that that's encouraging because, oh, that's God at work. Okay, we can do this. So.
0: And there's something that happens when you, I think there's a reason why everyone is supposed to make disciples something happens, you're you're forced to almost reapprehend truth when you try to teach it to someone else. Yeah. Yes. And so why is it so important in church ministry that as you're discipling someone, that then you put them in a position to disciple someone else? You're like, well, they're not ready. They're not, look, they're still, they're not, they're not ready. They're not mature enough. They're not, they don't know the theology. It's like, yeah, I know. But the basics that you're trying to give, like those first five questions of the discipleship questions, when someone can like readily rehearse that to me and they can identify it in their own life and they can start taking steps of humility, which, you know, someone that might be three months, it might be three years before you're like, now they get it. But as soon as they do, what I think is probably the next best thing for them is, okay, I want you to find someone and I want you to disciple them through this. Mm -hmm. And, most people have really easy disciples if you're married as if you're a husband your wife uh, if you have any kids parents mm-hmm. and I guarantee you I guarantee you there's probably one person in your local congregation that if you ask hey you want to get together do a Bible study that they would they would probably want and need. Mm-hmm to reflect on these same things.
1: And we've really tried to emphasize this, building off of what Charlie's just saying. We've really tried to emphasize on this podcast the uh, the focus of community and a Thinklings podcast, kind of a group, yeah. and, and what we have. Mm-hmm. And then we have somebody like Andy telling me, hey, you know, maybe you need to say no to something. And sometimes you just need another guy or another yep. girl to give you that... Uh, affirmation or that voice, um, <clears throat> that's something that might, maybe that you even already know. So we'd really encourage you to do what we're trying to do and promote here on the Thinklings podcast to get into a group and have somebody that's going to talk to you and ask you that tough question, what's God doing mm. in your life? Mm. And with that, do we have some business to attend to today? We have
2: some Thinklings business to tend to. <laughs> Well, no, you're supposed to say books and business. Oh, I say books and business. Yeah, it's your books turn. Books and business. See, this oh, is what man. happens
0: in the summer. We're all messed <laughs> yeah, up and...
2: discombobulated. Tim
0: just, like, throws us on this tangent, and then... It was good. No, Tim's I, like, I really we've pretty- got some business, and I look at Andy, and I'm, like, mouthing, books, books and business. He's like, <laughs> yeah, we've got some business to tend to. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Okay, anyway.
2: How about some books? Yeah. So, so this week, I'm going to bring a book, because Charlie's got this left field thing going, and I love it. And so... This is a book that is a doomsday prepper book. It is called... uh, Let me just pull it up here so I get the title just right. Uh, It is called... Sorry, my computer. Patriots, a novel of survival in the coming collapse. And so what this book is, it's by James Wesley Rawls. Now, it's... It is... I'm not recommending this. It's a fun read. There's nothing in it that's per se like wicked or anything like that um but it's just fascinating so i had a friend recommend this to me and he's a little bit of a prepper he's not really he has some guns he he does have a tube with 100 acres worth of seeds so if he needed to he could plant a farm yeah he's a bit of a prepper a a little bit yeah you know who i'm talking about yeah Uh, but i have another person who uh, also recommended this to me that is just interesting so anyways they're like hey you need to read this And why this book came up is. Should we
1: define a prepper?
2: Yeah. So a prepper is someone who kind of gets everything that they would need so that if there's an apocalyptic, like, say, a World War Z, or like a nuclear bomb, or the grid goes down, or there's a civil war, or something happens where society breaks down very fast, you can get out of town with your. It's called a bug out bag. You got a bag ready to go in your house. With wow. all the stuff you need. They even have an official name for it. Oh, I've dude. got my
1: bug out bag ready to go. Yeah,
2: you got your bug out bag. You got your old vehicle that's in good condition without electronics. Right. Like a 70s Dodge something. And you've got maybe a couple extra parts. And you've got them stored in specific locations to where you can get to them quick. And then get out of the cities and get to a sort of a plot of land. And a place that you have where you can live in a quiet... So anyways, this guy ran Plant a your seed. Yeah. Yeah. This guy ran a blog called the survival blog. And so he had a big following for a long time and on it, he gave tips for how to survive in a coming collapse. And he's like, here's how you plant a garden. Here's how you generate in um, energy. You can get like a generator with a bike attached to it and you can take, uh, you know, take uh, turns running the, to charge the batteries. Oh boy. He's basically, this is how you start fresh. So he runs that blog for a while and he decides I'm going to write a book. And the book is not an encyclopedia or a handbook. It's a novel, but he's he, in the novel the, at the very beginning. There's a collapse thing happened. He never tells you what it is. Is it a nuke? Is it a war? Is it a pandemic? He doesn't say people just have to get out. And you follow these characters as they leave their homes, go to their locations where they got their old trucks stored. They grab their bug out bags. One of them has to like trek six miles through the city and camp and they're trying to defend themselves because it's like pandemonium and they're trying to sneak uh, and they get out to this location. I think it's in Idaho. (laughs) I think it's down the road from Doug Wilson. No, Um, but in it, he tells the story. He's like, we bought this house because it was concrete construction and we built metal shutters for it and there's this thing here and it's what he's doing is he tells the story and then along the way the characters are always explaining what they're doing and so then it's like a way for you to learn how to do it by reading a novel now sometimes it works really well uh there's a time where they have to make a thermite grenade (laughs) It's just, I'm telling you, this stuff is hilarious. Thermite? It's like, a, like a, a grenade that'll burn through metal. Oh. And you like throw it on it and burns through a tank. It's like really hot burning stuff. I oh. can't re- you, He shows you how to build it and put it in a sock. And it'll go through the jeep hood and kill it. I mean, it's just like, I'm this telling you. This is
0: gnarly. I know. What I'm telling this? you.
2: This is as left field as it gets. But there this are times. left field. There are times where like, he's like, oh, the character's like, oh, I got to get up today. And I got to do my hour on the bike to charge the batteries. And then he's going to come in because he's feeling sick. And so I'm going to take his hour on the bike and then I'm going to go plant. I'm going to go till because he's sick today. And so it's sort of the community. There's like 12 or eight of them. And so parts of it, you're not realizing that he's teaching you. You kind of just get into the story. But there are other parts where like for 20 pages, he's talking about shortwave radios. And it's the most boring thing ever. So I just skip the pages. But in the end, what I think is interesting. Can I I pause there for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. So...
0: Can we just jump out of crazy land for a moment? And we go to those times when we talk about how to read. Yeah. And we're like, you got to learn how to read faster. Mm-hmm. And you like understand what's going on in a book. And you're like, yep, this page is about that same thing. Mm-hmm. So Andy just demonstrated that. Yep. Oh, here's 20 pages about shortwave radios. So in the back of Andy's mind, all he has to know <laughs> is, oh, where can I go to learn way yes. more than I ever need to know about yep. shortwave radios? Those 20 pages. Mm-hmm. And if I was if I was a professor and I had assigned that book and someone just like flip yep. through those, like, yep, it's all shortwave radios. Unless I have a quiz on shortwave, shortwave radios, radios, they've read it in, yep. in my book. So like, that's kind of a, a great example of how we like read fast, maybe. Yeah. It is a
1: novel. And it can is I'm,
0: a novel. Though.
2: And the point I think I'm and trying to... it's probably
0: to... never going to be assigned in any of our classes. No,
2: no, <laughs> no, it won't. Maybe
0: I'll throw it on my extra credit reading.
2: So the point I'm making about that, though is that as he's telling you about their day-to-day life, you really do understand that you're building a new community and you have to pull your weight or other people suffer. And you, it's not like he sits down and says, here's 10 reasons to pull your weight. He just tells a story and he does a pretty good job. But then he gets to points where it is kind of cheesy, where like, hey, here's a shortwave radio and you can tell he's like trying to trick you into learning. But most of the time, he actually does a really good job. Here's my point. He is telling you a story to teach you something and you know it ahead of time. But how many times do you read a story that teaches you something and you're not paying attention? Mm. That's how Hollywood's operating. That's how advertisers are operating. But that's also the way God designed story to function. Mm. And so in the Old Testament, he's telling you stories. They're true though, but they also are the God of the universe teaching you. So I thought it was interesting because he tried to teach with a story and that's why I thought I'd bring it up. And it's kind of a little crazy craze. Now, the funny thing is I was reading on a vacation once and it was my parents and Robin and I went out to Colorado and we're riding like in the van together. And, um, I'm telling them about this book and mom and Robin just started mercilessly making fun of me. They're like, well, if we had a commune, I'm like, it's not a commune. They're like, well, if we had a commune, you, you, you could be useful. And this is, they are to- you know this, so you could be in, but that person that, you know, they don't know anything. So they can't be in the commune. At least not a commune. <laughs> it was really fun
0: I have a comment to make about that that works on multiple levels but I don't want to get in trouble okay
1: Uh, okay so let's not talk about it so so your wife was making fun of you right yeah (laughs)
0: and I wanted to say I wanted to say what a troll oh (laughs) and we're moving on (laughs)
1: So, that was the book. Now, what's the business? Okay, no,
0: the, well, the business is th- the Faith Bookstore. Go buy books. Oh, that's right. Uh, so, we're not. So I'm not rating one.
2: the book, and I'm not recommending the book. It's a
0: fun read, though. We, we've we yeah. already laid the blanket statement. But it's just a fun book. When we have a book in left field, we're not endorsing yeah. it unless specifically stated otherwise. But
2: there's nothing questionable about it. That's what I want to point out. Yeah. It's just a little, if you're the kind of person that lives in fear... Mm. You would read this and perhaps immediately start stocking up on guns and bullets and seeds, and I would simply say that you have to trust the Lord. We don't know what's coming, but we don't, and we can prepare, and it's okay to prepare. But we don't put our trust in all that prep. We don't put our trust in having a stable economy. We don't put our trust in any of those things. We put our well, trust in the Lord.
0: We don't have a stable economy, so stop no. trusting that. Uh, anyway, so this this works well with. Uh, the devotion so go, we were in first peter a few weeks back and we talked about being exiles so you know if the world kind of goes to crap yeah. well, fine my life isn't here anyway mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i just want to i want to keep working in the book of first peter so uh last time we read verses one and two we're going to start reading in verse three here blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ First off, the beginning of verse 3 is just, it's a straight uh, declaration of praise and worship. Like, God is to be praised. Like, blessed is God the Father of Jesus Christ. It's just a statement. And so, kind of what Andy did a few weeks ago, like, why? You should think, why is he to be blessed? And a believer knows the answer. Peter fills in the gap. So, the main clause here, the main idea... Blessed is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again. So how do you win the game of life? You go back a couple episodes with Peter. That's where, you know, how do we win the game of life? That's the theme where I'm going to be speaking on this. How do you win? Well, you're born again. And there's some things that modify that statement. You're born again. You're caused to be born again according to his great mercy. So it's God bestowing on you and doing something in you that you never deserve, his great abundant mercy. And what are you born again to? And there's two things we're born again to. He has caused us to be born again, according to his great mercy, to a living hope. And then the beginning of verse four, to an inheritance. We're going to talk about both of those things. First, to a living hope. And why is our hope living? And I, and I think if I had to summarize it in one word, how do you win the game of life? Hope. Hope. What is your hope in? Is your hope in, you know what, I've prepared for the day the world is destroyed and I will persevere, I will survive.
1: Mm. Or
0: is my hope in something else? Yep. Is my hope in the mercy of God? And as it says here, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that has caused me to be brought from death to life spiritually. I have a a relationship with God the Father because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Do I have a living hope? And and the hope is living because Jesus is living. Amen. So that's the first thing. You have hope in a, a living Savior. He's resurrected. And because of that, I'm born again to an inheritance. And these are some of my favorite, favorite descriptors in the Bible. So what is the inheritance that we have through Christ? And is it, is it, I get to go to heaven or is it more than that? And I think we will share in the glory of Christ in heaven. Like we will be glorified, but look at how that inheritance is described imperishable, verse 4, undefiled, and unfading. So imperishable. So something that is perishable is something that will slowly decay away. I have on my counter right now, I have some bananas. I have some clementines, some like those cuties. uh, And if I just let them sit there, especially the bananas, you start watching the peel get brown. You're like, I got to eat those now. It's perishing. Uh, in my apartment, I can if the trash is full of organic material for a few days, you open the door, you'll smell it right when you walk in. Mm-hmm. It's decaying, it's perishing. Our inheritance does not perish. there's it's never withering. Undefiled is the next one. There's nothing in the inheritance that has anything wrong with it. There's no slight imperfection. There's no Mm -hmm. disease. There's no deficiency. It's absolutely perfect, undefiled, unfading. The inheritance that we have, which is eternal life and sharing in the glory of our risen Savior, that glorious hope is 100% full glory it's bright, it's shining, it's amazing, it's magnificent, and it will never be anything other than that. It is unfading. It's full throttle, bright eyes in your mm. in bright lights in your eyes, and it never will change. So you yeah. want to talk about winning the game of life. Mm. You're born again, and you have a hope, not in this life, but in a living savior who is never going to die. There's nothing wrong with him and his glory will never fade and he's going to share that with you for eternity. Now, just like last time, you think about that for a moment. And uh, what's, the, what's the song? Um, the things of this earth grow vainly dim.
2: That's my favorite song
0: what song is it Uh,
2: turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely Strangely in the light of his glory and his face so yeah
0: we you you look and you think about a living savior who shares his glorious undefiled unfading imperishable Mm. inheritance with you 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 realize you've already won the game you're just waiting to get there Mm. and Mm -hmm. so that you think about eternal perspective i'm an exile and i have an unfading undefiled imperishable inheritance through the living hope of jesus from the dead his resurrection from the dead and i hope you can probably hear that lawnmower out there too but (laughs) isn't that awesome i mean see like you don't have to worry about getting ahead in this life because you've already if you've believed in jesus you've already won Uh, And and you don't have to, like Solomon, you don't have to keep searching for the things you don't have. You already have it in Christ. Mm -hmm. But we very easily, going back to our discipleship conversation at the start of this episode, we very easily are enticed away, we're distracted away by our own desires from what is true. And so uh, last time we talked about making decisions that are eternal and think through knowing that you have this inheritance. How should that affect the decisions you make? Do you really care about what's happening in this life, making more money, you know, being successful? D- do the thoughts of those other people really matter that much? Um, no, <laughs> they don't. So uh, hopefully that's a blessing to you. And uh, if you have some struggles this week, you're going through some trials, just ask that you would focus on the imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that you have in your living hope in Jesus Christ.